You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 186, Gillen Double Trouble Studio LP. And coming to you from the going viral suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Tech Support Matola. Ah, Tech Support. You got a new job? No, it's the same old crummy job that I've always had. It's just getting, it's getting worse. The same job that doesn't pay anything. <laughs> yep. Um, as my, um, as my parents are getting older and I am the closest son. Since but by, my, my, by a considerable margin. By thousands of miles. Uh, I am the one that uh, they call up when anything goes wrong. And I mean anything. So um today pops is in a frant a frenzy he's just like I, I can't i mean first of all he can hear his tv it's just it's not coming out of the speakers the sound isn't coming out of the speakers he wants them to but does he, he have can like hear a sound bar t- or something or? well that's the thing okay <laughs> this is frustrating because he has these he has the tv the sound coming from the tv yep he's got two um i i, I don't know if they're bows but they're another like kind of high end speaker Two, like one on each side of the TV, which he's had for like, I don't know, 15 years. Then a sound bar that I bought for him, which basically just hooks up with one cable. Yeah. He never uses the friggin' sound bar. It's like, it's <laughs> annoying to no end because he's just set in his ways. So anyway, apparently, and he's got this receiver that's like the size of my desk that is like <laughs> under the TV. And, uh, and I'm like, you don't need all this, but he, he won't change. Nope. So... Uh, apparently my mom was <laughs> dusting, she was cleaning, pulled out the receiver or she did something. And now the spe- he can't get any sound from the speakers. And it's a crisis because he has two other ways that he can hear sound, <laughs> he can but he wants hear, to hear them he from those speakers. Four other options, yeah. So I go over and I'm like, he's like, ah, he's just, he's just sitting in the chair, like help. He won't get up. He won't do anything. He's like just he, like, like he's a man and he just overboard. points at it. I'm like, no, no context. I don't know what's happening. And so I'm like, all right. So I'm just down there pressing buttons like any idiot would be able to do. And um, then he calls my mom and I'm just like, Shh, no, don't. And then as soon as she comes over, she starts getting involved, which makes it worse because now I got both of them poking around, <laughs> telling me what to do. I'm like, you know, you could have just done this without me. Um, but anyways, I, uh, so finally we get to the bottom of it. Did you did you pull out the receiver when you were dusting in this area that never needs dusting? <laughs> uh, because who the hell dusts behind their TV? Uh, Probably regularly? does need dusting, but. Well, yeah, it does. Bother? But I mean, it's do you really need to? So anyway, um, I pull it out and there is one lone cable just unplugged. Just and I'm like, there, yeah. all right, that's got to be the culprit. So I, I just it's like red. There's red. So I just plug it in. Boom. Sound back. Yeah. Well, see you later. Gotta go. <laughs> that was it. I was like, oh, you're a genius. Uh, 
No, too bad I'm you not. weren't charging them for it, because then they then you could just be like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, you've needed some very a very uh, a techno. It's a very technical. I don't want to go into exactly what I did, but yeah, you, I'm glad you called me because the whole thing could have blown up. That'll be a. Really, you should just like go on one of those uh, one of those apps where you hire you can hire a handyman or anybody yeah. to like do anything and just to take advantage of elderly people. Like, oh, my computer doesn't work, <laughs> and then I just press the on button. All right, that'll be seventy five dollars. I got better. I got something better. You should you should create an app where that helps connect people with elderly people to take advantage of. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think there was Elder. I want to we'll say call, there was a movie. We'll call it Elder like with that. no R, with no E, like E L D R, Elder. Just put this in, and a, and a young, a young whippersnapper will come over and figure out what's going on. I feel like you've already been working on this idea. That's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> that was that we, you came up with it too quick. We need more. I, we we need more ways to con the elderly. They they don't get conned I, enough. I, I feel like there was. I think I saw a movie. It was. I don't know, a dime a dozen, like maybe a Hulu or Netflix, one of these things that they just crank out. And it was, uh, it was, I want to say it was like an app for older people and it would connect you with anybody that a remote location. They're just like, oh yeah, well, what can I do for you today? Uh, Leonard, you know, he's just like, <laughs> oh, I can't find my thing. And it'd just be like somebody that the person talks to, you know, they, they help him out over the phone and, you know, so it's like one of those things. I feel like that was a uh, concept in one of those like kind of shitty made for like right to streaming yeah, movies or whatever. It but, certainly could be. But, I, but yeah, maybe I should hop in on some some of that action. I'm still uh, I'm still at home nursing this virus. I've got my my pot of thunder Halloween season <laughs> mug filled with uh, I love that mug tea that I cannot smell at all. But I can tell like it's wild sweet orange tea and it's got spices and I'm like, oh, it's going to be nice and warming. And I open the tea bag and I took a big whiff. It might, it, might, it might as well have just been a piece of paper in there. Nothing, nothing <laughs> at all. But I think I can, let's see if I can taste. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can, it's actually kind of sour. That's good. Mm. And I've got some, my family just got back from our vacation that I was supposed to go on, but was too sick to go on. So I got some cider donuts. There you go. Um, so, yeah. Well, just, can you taste those? No, let, let me try. People love when I eat on the show. Yeah, I can taste those. Those are cinnamony and delicious. All right, there you go. So apparently your nostrils are not working, but everything no. else is fine. Not at all. We'll get I'm to like the bottom firing of this. this like this nasal spray up my nostrils twice a day. Yeah, like one of my nostrils is so clogged though. You just like you're like you know you're supposed to inhale, so I'm like, <clears throat> and it just it just like leaks all out. I'm like, what? what <laughs> I don't know what to do in that case. Unless I get like a uh -oh. neti pot and just like, be like the neti pot lady with a ooh. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully this thing goes away soon. You you and Rich, neither one of you guys is getting better. And I can't afford to lose both of you because then I'll have no friends. No, this is this is a week now. Um, uh, it's been a straight week of just feeling absolutely lousy. So I, I'm going back to work tomorrow, like I told you before the show. Because I'm like, well, God damn it. I can't, <laughs> I can't just continue to burn through all my PTO. I'm like, I'm going to go back to work tomorrow and hope for the best. But I'm, I'm going to be dragging big time. This is a real bummer, but good hey, luck. What are you going to do? Um, hey, if you want to help support the show 
<laughs> if you, and all, all of your proceeds are going to go towards uh, a cold, medical cold bills. medicine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm almost out of all of my cough medicine and cold medicine and everything. But um, if you want to support the show, you can do so in a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will use the mystery uh, percussion instrument that John can no longer hear, the the vibroslap that broke the uh, our audio connection to the the point that all all percussion instruments are now are no, now no longer a mystery now it's just a well it's a mystery to me i don't i know i don't know what it sounds like <laughs> yeah well you know what a vibroslap sounds like yeah but i want to hear it yeah well that's true yeah, you want to hear it i don't know what yours sounds like yeah it sounds like every other vibroslap you've ever heard <laughs> just just imagine this just i i i i can you hear that part <laughs> Well, yeah, I heard I, I, I. Okay, that's good. But you still didn't hear the vibroslap. Nope. <laughs> I wonder if I, like, talked. What if I talk and do the vibroslap at the same time? Will you hear it? All right. All right, John. Well, I'm going to be talking to you about this stuff here. <laughs> I did. Did that work? <laughs> yes, oh, it okay. did. So there you go. We found a workaround. Oh, we we, we cracked whatever, the code. <laughs> whatever weird audio algorithm is working. But um, that's I'll still do it the normal way for when we get our next five star uh, review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, because um, you're not doing it for me; you're doing it for whoever yeah. leaves the review. So <laughs> we're doing it for all the other people, not just you. Um, <laughs> but you can uh, uh, you can become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as one dollar a month. Help support the show. Help us buy new albums. Help me buy cough medicine. Help put it towards the new computer fund. All that great stuff. And you can also donate on Cash App to dollar sign DPPOD. Uh, great ways to support the show. So speaking of people that would support our show, uh, we got some great people. Uh, like our executive level patrons at the $25 Uncommon Man tier, we have Ovis Nakfi and Purple Maniac. At the £10 tier, Dr. Jill Brees. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgard Mortensen, Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and Mickle Steen. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, Kev Roberts, and his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. And then, of course, at the $9.99, what's going on here tier, Mr. Richard Fusey. So thank you so much to all of you for your generous support. You can also check out DeepDivePodcastNetwork.com for a host of other great podcasts that uh, dive dive into single bands just like we do and uh, take them either one track at a time, one album at a time, one topic at a time, you name it. Uh, some great shows there, so check it out and follow them on uh, on Twitter. What is it? DeepDivePodNet? Deep Dive Podnet, we'll call it, on Twitter. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, John, here we are today talking about, can you believe it, only after this we'll only have one Gillen album left. Studio album, anyway. Well, I I can't believe that we've done so much, uh, so many Gillen episodes. Yeah. I think that should keep everybody satisfied that's calling this uh, an Aussie cast. Yeah, this is just... Um, <laughs> yeah, this is just yeah, this is just a makeup <laughs> for for the Aussie episode. We're like for the almost three hour Aussie episode. I think we have to just really pack in the deep purple top subject matter on both sides of an Aussie episode once a year when we do one, um, just so that uh, so everyone can have that little time to to get reacquainted. But hmm. so, what do you what do you know about this album? You know, I was I was looking it up because, as, as you know, I'm not as familiar with all of the the Gillen albums because I didn't grow up with them or was really more of a um, 
Deep Purple proper, and then I discovered all these later. But um, I guess at the time they weren't really widely available. So I, I really I looked over the track listing to see like, okay, what's on this? And I don't think I really know it um, really much at all. Um, yeah, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I know um, I know um, I'll rip your spine out and and restless, but I not sure that I'm familiar with the rest of the or as familiar with the rest of the album. So. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say I'm probably in the same boat. Whereas we've talked about it in previous episodes, but the whole Gillen, Gillen, Ian Gillen, Ian Gillen band whole thing is kind of a mess. And the way it was released in the States, there's all these compilations and rarity albums and all this sort of stuff. And then <clears throat> Gillen will, will dig up some of this material and do it on some of his more recent live stuff. And he did stuff in Gillen's Inn. So all of this stuff... Is, is kind of scattered throughout his entire discography. So it's one of those things that this was an album that wasn't readily available to me and I didn't get until much, much later. So yeah. um, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's going to be some songs that jump out at me. as like, oh, of course, this song that I've heard on some compilation or other. But yeah, I'm not, I don't have like that immediate familiarity with it. But Well, I think that's the thing too is with a lot of uh, the Deep Purple family being in and out of Deep Purple or different projects in between their own band or having different incarnations of their own band. And then, like you said, they're being not as available maybe in the United States or just being released like alternate releases or whatever. It's just like who it's almost even now you would have to like sit down and make a chart to like track. Well, okay. This is like, this is like the Gillen discography and that's it. And not counting anything else. So it's still like very confusing to me. I mean, admittedly, I've never tried. And I mean, with the amount of albums that he has under the name Gillen, it was probably just easy. But in terms of knowing it. Um, oh, it's, it's super I confusing. I mean, when when you had that like Japanese release of the first album and then yeah. some of those songs were on the first album that got released elsewhere, but some of them weren't. And the, the, you had all these. It's really like a complete mess. And like, I remember yeah. on one of our episodes, I think it was the Gillen. It must've been the, oh, it might've been Mr. Universe where I had mm -hmm. to make like a chart on the show notes to just be like, okay, well, this song was on the Japanese Gillen album, but this song yeah, is on Mr. Universe. That, yeah. Cause the Mr. Universe album that I think most um, folks grew up hearing is different than the one we reviewed, which was the Japanese one. But had we reviewed the one that everyone was used to, we would have had to redo a bunch of songs we had just done on the Japanese album. So very, very confusing discography. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of a head scratcher as to, as to why it was, it was so kind of haphazardly rolled out like that. And then they've got this Ian Gillen band stuff. They released this thing that was like called clear air turbulence, but it like looked different. And I was like, Oh cool. And I picked that up years ago and I'm like, it's like the songs from clear air turbulence in a different order. And then a bunch of other random stuff. Like, I think it's a two disc set too. like random right. songs from Scarabus and live songs. And I'm like, what even is this? Like it, it's, I mean, I, I mean, it's really nicely packaged and everything, but it just doesn't really make any sense as a product. I think that's a, just kind of a deep purple problem, uh, so to speak, because, I mean, we've talked about it before um, where for years I thought the Butterfly Ball and the Grasshopper's Feast was just all one album. And, but the way they worded it and everything and it was on one disc or White Snake Northwinds, it's like, OK, oh, you mean like the, when they put the Wizards Convention stuff on the 
Yeah. Butterfly. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, when they when they released like the CDs and stuff, it, it was uh, I mean, the original I mean, we weren't around for the original releases. So sure. or we were or we were too young for them. So things like like that or like the the two Coverdale solo albums or um, uh, just, a you know, pick anything and just, you know, just name it. And it's like uh, that's why it's so hard to follow. It's been so hard to follow some of these things. It's probably why I haven't it's taken so long to get into some of the discographies like white snake is a great example. Like I didn't even know until, you know, recent years, what the, the proper discography was starting from his solo albums and then him kind of transitioning it into white snake and then all the way through to now. So yeah, it's well, like David Coverdale has been j- every bit as confusing as Gillen. Cause he's got <laughs> right. The David Coverdale stuff. Then he's got, he, he's got an album called white snake. That's not a white snake album, which is super right. confusing. Then he's got David Coverdale solo. Then he's got these white snake albums. Then he's got white snake albums that are actually David Coverdale solo albums that are, you just kind of like, you got to kind of know it's like, well, wink, wink, it's white snake. Then he does a solo album. That's, you know, Oh, a David Coverdale solo album again. So it's, it's very, yeah, it's, it's just kind of all over the place. And he does like a white snake album, the, like the live album with Adrian Vandenberg, which just the two of them, but they call it white snake, right. which it's, you, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, so I feel like this is kind of the, almost kind of the same thing. Although you could say, uh, Ian Gillen, Ian Gillen band, Gillen, it's like, okay, the, like, I know that I know that those are like three different things. And to the, to, to his credit, they are slightly different styles of music because he is pretty diverse. So oh, yeah. I mean, I will give him that as is like the, the Ian Gillen band stuff was more jazzy and Gillen was more heavy. So. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of second nature to us now, but you can imagine like, you know, for, for people that are really like super into this stuff like you can make those distinctions but from a marketing standpoint to the public it seems mm-hmm. like uh, like an absolute marketing and and branding disaster to have ian gillen ian gillen band and gillen be three different things and then by <laughs> the time the you same got the, guy singing <laughs> and then by the time you got to garth rocket they were probably just like all right i'm done <laughs> Oh, 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 you're doing another one now. What's this one going to be called? Uh, Garth Rocket. Okay, well, at least it's a completely out of, out of nowhere. But of course, it's, you know, Garth Rocket and he's doing uh, Gillen songs. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. Oh, it's great. You got to love it. Um, so <clears throat> leading up to this album, there were tensions beginning to grow in the band. Uh, the band was uh, all taking like an equal split of the money, but Gillen felt, I guess, that that wasn't, that he was the one that was taking all the risk with his name and him being kind of the financier behind it. So he wasn't crazy about this arrangement, although he must have uh, presented it. So they were scheduled to fly back uh, from shows they were performing. I think it was in Germany uh, to do, to appear on top of the pops, but uh, taking a page from uh, one of his, uh, one of Gillen's previous guitar players, uh, Bernie refused. <laughs> um, uh, he took a page from the book of Richie the book of Richie yep the man in black himself so he didn't want to do it the rest of the band I guess weren't happy about doing it either I guess they all wanted to stay on the road it's kind of glossed over in his uh, uh, most most of this comes from uh, the child in time Ian Gillen book and then some of it comes from uh, interviews with Bernie Torme but there's not like a ton about it and there doesn't appear to be like any real hard feelings but I think they were just probably you know they were on tour together they were being a little pissy with each other with, with each other he's like he didn't want to do it so 
so Gillen's like, hey, uh, ultimatum. We're all you. You're either in this car at this time to go to the airport to go to Top of the Pops, or you're not in the band anymore. So time comes. Bernie's not in the car. The four other guys fly in, and then uh, he ends up calling uh, Gillen afterwards. Bernie does, and is like, hey, like, what's going on? And he's like, well, we did it without you because you. I told you to be in the car and you weren't. And he's like, oh, well, that sucks. And that's kind of it. <laughs> it's, it doesn't, again, it wasn't like, it wasn't like some big blowout or anything, but it was just kind of like, I guess he was, he had had it. He, he didn't feel like he was getting paid the money that he deserves. I think he says he was like uh, 45 pounds a week or something that he was making. Um, uh, so then they, they calls up, uh, he calls up Phil Banfield, his manager, Gillen does, and asks he asks him to find a guitar player specifically Yannick because they had been playing with Yannick Gears and uh, uh, um, the, I almost wanted to say I almost said White Lion the band White Spirit <laughs> not White Lion not White Lion or White Snake or Great White but White Spirit um, he must have liked what you know they were opening for for Gillen so he must have liked what he heard and um, and and that was that he he joined the band. Uh, Bernie said in an interview about the argument over the top of the pops. Um, he says I I really regret how I did it. I shouldn't have done it that way. It was terrible. It was terribly negative, and I love all of them. And again, like I said, like Gillen in his book doesn't trash Bernie in any way. He doesn't you know that there's no none of the the vitriol and things that he that 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 he spews at Blackmore or anybody else. It's just kind of like hey, we were ticked off. We were. It seems like they were kind of annoyed with each other, and then they just went their separate ways. So. So there you have it. So we've got a new guitar player in the band, Yannick Gears, who I think I'm pronouncing right. Um, I've always I've always thought him as Yannick. I think. Um, didn't Jonathan yeah, I believe say, that's right. Jonathan said Yannick, maybe, but I, I I don't know. I've I've always assumed Yannick, um, uh, but not being like a huge uh, maiden guy, I don't really know. Um, uh, so yeah, then you've still got obviously John McCoy on bass, Mick Underwood on drums, Colin Towns on keyboards, and then Ian Gillen on vocals um engineering done by paul chaz watkins produced by steve smith steve smith worked with bob marley and the whalers remember that old story of uh ian gillen shooting pool with bob marley mm-hmm. was it clear turbulence or scarabus one of those because they were both on island together then uh, robert palmer super tramp and he also worked with toots and the maytals it's like that one toots Hey, Toots. Remember? Remember Dave's girlfriend, Toots? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the way you said it, it was so funny because toots. you sound like my dad. You're just like, remember? Remember? It's like, <laughs> remember? <laughs> it's like every time he talks to me, hey, John, John, you remember? Remember? Uh, like, what? What is it going to be this time? Well, we had a friend, what? our friend Dave, um, yeah. His girlfriend at the at the time was well, her name was not Toots, but he called her Toots, and we just thought it was hilarious because because he wasn't a gangster from the twenties. <laughs> He'd be like, "Come on, Toots, we're going, we're going out of here." So we'd all just we all and then we just all called her Toots. And to this day, like I think if I ran into her on the street, I'd be like, "Toots, what's going on?" <laughs> She's like, "Actually, my name is uh whatever." I bet I bet most people don't remember her actual name, which may be good, maybe best for her. <laughs> uh, but she was a, she was she was great, Miss Toots. Um, 
And then uh, what else? Who, who else we got here? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So this this album was conceived to be a studio album paired up with a live album. So it's a double album. We're just going to do the studio version. Uh, the 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 album version was using the Robo uh, the Robo Stones, <laughs> the Rolling Stones mobile unit. Um, uh, Oof, that was a mouthful. The the Robo Stones, the Rubble Stones, or Rubble Rubble. Um, yeah, so, that was uh, that's what they called it on the Flintstones. <laughs> hey, Bon, <laughs> you got that mobile unit? <laughs> they, you got that mobile f- rock unit, Bon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a, a peacock like listening to it and then like writing it down on a, a tablet. And like, no, I've seen everything. It's a living. <laughs> They, yeah, they have a pterodactyl that's like uh, the, mo- like moving the reels around. It's a living. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, wool, a woolly mammoth is just like, you know, just transporting it around. But um, so they, yeah, plug so his, th- they plug his snout in, you know, <laughs> the, the amp. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> so, so that's the, the, the Rolling Stones mobile unit uh, part of it. But we're not going to get into that, at least today. Maybe we'll do it some other time. But um uh, then we've got the album art. So um, to get into that art, I don't think I'm familiar with this really. No. Well, here you go. Well, let's, let's see. Let's, let's show you some. Maybe double, I am. I don't know. Double trouble. There you go. There's the. Uh, um. Oh, okay. I kind of. I've kind of seen it. Yeah. So you've got the 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 man's rear end from the from the back on the, on the corner with the Gillen patch on his butt cheek. Nobody put a patch on their butt, did they? Like that, like on the pocket um, of their jeans. You know, I'm going to say maybe. I mean, I'm not going to. Sure, somebody did. I'm not going to uh, rule anything out. I, I think I used to see, and sometimes still do see, some of these old school metal guys uh, uh, with patches on their jackets. But usually, I see like um, either a wallet chain or the um, the bandana, the colored bandana hanging out of the back pocket. Some people have like the really long jacket to accommodate all the extra back patches that they have. But I mean, I very rarely, I mean, you'll mostly see it at like, um, um, at like, uh, concerts and stuff. Like if you go see some of the, uh, eighties bands that are still around playing. That's where white lion would come into play. If you went to a (laughs) white lion show, I guarantee you, they probably wouldn't let you in without back patches. Sorry. You only have 14 back patches. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, where's your street cred? So then we've got, uh, you know, the the man is 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 come is bearing down on these two two ladies of the night, um, who are standing on these like bollards that are sticking out of the ground, and um, I guess that's the double trouble that they refer to. They look like you know all dressed they up. Look, they they look like trouble. <clears throat> they look like double trouble. One well, one look has at like the one a, over on the. The one on the left here, she's basically her shirt is open, and there's the only thing that's covering her boobs is the two sides of the shirt there. Yeah, it's like it's kind of weird because you don't really. It, it sounds more revealing than it is if you're looking at it. There's really. Yeah, but how does how does everything stay in place with a shirt like that? It's just like it goes all the way down to the navel, like kind of Richie style. Yeah, <laughs> she looks like she borrowed it from Richie. <laughs> Richie, he, Richie, like finished up on stage with like Joel and Turner era Rainbow, and she just snatched it right off the stage. <laughs> I'm gonna go meet uh, Ian Gillen across town. Um, but yeah, she got the leather like, mini yeah. skirt, the black stockings, and the black boots, and then the other one's got the the dress with the, the holes going all the way up from the from the leg all the way up to the chest. 
I'm sure there's like some technical name for what that is. Lots of jewelry. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're in like a dark alley, so it looks pretty sketchy. Is that, is, is that, is that, it looks like the Washington Monument behind that other, like, behind the, behind the one with the red mini skirt. <laughs> it does. What the hell is that? Well, it's gotta, is it, it like a be, rocket? No, it's gotta be like a, like a, um, it does look like, like a, it's off in the distance, but it's gotta be like a, a telephone pole or something. Yeah. Because it, it has like a number on it. Yeah, but like, if you look at it really quick, you're like, is that the Washington Monument? They're like, come um, on, Gillen. Uh, we're we're going to take you on a late night tour of D.C. and show you some historic locations. <laughs> this is, this first, is first up, the most phallic of them all. <laughs> and here's where James Madison used to buy his quills. <laughs> By the way, extra points for knowing off the top of your head, the name of those things that they're leaning against, because I just would have said those things sticking out of the ground. I've had to have them installed at work before. So, oh, what do you call them? Bollards. Bollards. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have. I wonder if that's a, uh, if that trans, it translates into, um, like, uh, into, to, to our UK peeps. If that's like the same way, it sounds like, a, it sounds like more like it would be the UK name for it. And we'd call them like, I don't know stone things or something some dumb american thing well but, that sounds like um maybe because it sounds bollocks. like it sounds like something that somebody would say like bollocks like if they're upset it's like ah bollards <laughs> bollards <laughs> god damn it bollards yeah i mean if yeah if you if you don't know what that is it's like a, you know it's like a it's a usually made of concrete super solid thing that's like goes deep into the ground to prevent like a like if a if a truck didn't have its parking. You you put it around something you want to protect, basically. So you'd have it in front of a window or in front of um, a doorway or in front of a building that you, that where you're expecting a lot of activity, particularly vehicles. So if one of them like left their parking brake off or something and ran forward, mm-hmm. these would stop stop it from going in, smashing into your windows or doing any damage like that. Right. So you see them outside and inside sometimes. And uh, in the UK and Europe, they have like the really decorative ones that are like you know like metal and they're black and kind of ornate and in the united states it's usually just like a a spray painted yellow like whoop just <laughs> little just little nubbins sticking out of the ground it's and it's painted yellow probably to get people's attention probably some osha thing who knows well this um this cover is um it's not bad i think it's very 80s uh, very kind of, uh, it looks like, definitely looks like a rock album cover. It makes me think like it could have been like a Scorpions album cover around that time period. Oh, because of the close up on the the jeans and the ass. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that reminds me of that too. But um, but also. If, if there was just um, a dog sticking up there staring at his crotch. <laughs> but the the only thing I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You you kind of nailed it. It's just the the two girls there. It's oh double trouble. And and the point of view is is like the guy is walking up to him and he's like, all right, here we go. Double trouble. Here <laughs> like, we go. What's gonna I'm happen? gonna score with two ladies. I'm gonna score with these two broads in uh, in probably in this brothel over here or whatever that is. That building to the right is probably a brothel or a public toilet or turlet, uh, as, as it may be. Um, we're not very highbrow here, but, um, the only thing I, the only thing I don't like about the album is the, the, the expression on the two women's faces is if they're supposed to be double trouble, they, they don't look mischievous enough. They just kind of look like they're posing like, all right, say cheese. And they're like, nee. You know that's what I mean? probably it's what like, it was. It was probably either like leftovers from other some other photo shoot. 
Yeah. Or, you know, knowing what we've, you know, learned about the various album covers over the years, they might have taken this picture for something else and said, ah, do we still have the picture of the two chicks in the alley? Find that one. Yeah. Rather I than mean, specifically stage for this. And then they just superimpose the gene leg over it or whatever. Right. Which I mean is, is completely possible. I mean, they, they almost certainly put like, uh, uh, cut and paste of the gene like there. You don't think there was a photographer standing behind like one, a guy's ass cheek and being like, all right, let me, <laughs> let me, all right, all right, hang on. And then, um, but I, I think that if they did take this picture for the album of at least of the two girls, I think that for the album being called double trouble, they, they could have had a little bit more, um, the, the, photographer could have directed them to look a little more mischievous like the poses are good the poses are like you have one that's kind of like standing her ground with her fist down and the other one just one leg up kind of leaning back like mm. yeah but they they just kind of look like they're posing they don't like have like a kind of look on their faces or you know a cocked eyebrow or something like yeah we're double trouble they just kind of like here we are <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little unremarkable. Um, uh, so <clears throat> this uh, design was done by Jean Luc Epstein, which is funny. It's Jean Luc, but like you know, usually Jean Luc is J E A J E A N dash L U C. This is L U C L U K E, like Luke Skywalker. So Jean Luc Epstein. <laughs> um, All right. He did uh, work for the Kinks, Cool and the Gang. Jimmy Page sadly passed away in 2017. Uh, the sleeve and artwork by by Lal Sanford. Lol, like like laugh out loud, Sanford. Um, <laughs> uh, they both worked for this company called Graphic G R A P H Y K. Did uh, a bunch of other uh, album covers. Photography by Mick Gregory. Uh, and there's a ton of. We'll get into the gatefold in a second, but there's a ton of great uh, photographs in there. He worked with Samson, Bernie Torme, um, and he got credits for the Perfect Strangers album art. So he he must have been the guy following Richie around on a bicycle as he has a picnic with some elderly people. You know, all those weird <laughs> pictures that are in Perfect Strangers. Um, yeah. And then uh, Nico Preston, he worked on this album and Gary Moore album. And then John Pru, who worked, he's credited with uh, Split Ends, UB40, and Rory Gallagher for our uh, good friend Mark Roback over there. Um. So that's the front cover, um, the interior uh, gatefold here. You've got, it looks again like, uh, I forgot what it was. It was it might have been Glory Road. It's probably Glory Road where they had a similar kind of handwritten lyrics. So you've got all these like live shots. Um, I, I wonder if they just pulled the, the old trick and got a live shot of, of Yannick with, some, with his old band, if he had even played with Gillen live yet at that point. Oh, I think he had. Um, I think he had finished like the tour or whatever. Uh, and then some more pictures on the other side, Gillen on the bon- on the congas. Um, you got John McCoy in the center and the kind of a, a better known picture of Gillen holding the mic and doing his little, like, I don't even know what you call that thing he does where he's, it looks like he's going to like beat somebody in the head with the microphone when it's on the <laughs> microphone stand. He's like leaning kind of forward. Um, Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's the album art. You got the label here with the two ladies, like a little bit of a close up. Um, looks like they're wearing the same thing, but it's a, it's another yeah, one on the the one on the right looks like she's got a different expression. Yeah, she's they, like Arr. they look a little bit more like trouble in that picture. I don't know the one on the, <laughs> I don't know what the one on the right is looking like, but it's not trouble. No, she looks the. 
confused. <laughs> could could be a little bit. I don't know. Sometimes when you're confused, that's when the worst trouble of all starts. There's mm-hmm. another picture of it. That's the side three and four. And uh, that's uh, pretty much it for the... Uh, Another copy of the album cover. Oh, and then this was in there, which was a, which is a, a, a close up from the album cover of the two ladies, and it's the double album of 1981. A little, a little uh, uh, advertisement from Virgin Records. Well, that's anyway. a nice uh, kind of play on words thing. Double trouble, a double album, two two broads. You know, <laughs> that was the working title for the album. Two broads. They they opted to go with double trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Gillen, two broads. <laughs> that was a Frank Sinatra album. Hey, here's the cover. What should we call it? How about two broads? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, such a silly name. <laughs> such a silly thing to call women. Like, hey, look, hey, look, look at that broad. Yeah, what is what's the etymology of that? We'll have to. <laughs> When we do our uh, spin-off uh, podcast, Bollard Cast, we'll have to explore where the, the etymology of the word broads. Uh, and how many episodes have we, like, joked around and been like, hey, broads, and for some reason it's just really funny tonight. I don't know why. I'm trying to see. Let's see. Uh. Um, it's in Germanic and Old English. It's broad, uh, Old English, related to Dutch breed and German breed. Broad, wide. Well, wide, yeah, we know it needs wide. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll. Um, oh, here's a good article. Why are Why oh. are women called sluts, dames, and broads? <laughs> I'm gonna read that while while, while we uh, um, while we're listening to the album, and I'll, I'll report link, back. Link that in the show notes. <laughs> why are women called sluts, dames, and broads? No, why are you calling women that? <laughs> <laughs> women are should not be called that like what are you doing exactly <laughs> it's like why do they call them that <laughs> it's a great article it's from 2012 it was a different time <laughs> why are they called Actually, dames yeah. and bitch, yeah. why are they called pieces of skirt hey <laughs> the skirts hey the skirts cramping my style <laughs> oh boy all right. So before we move on to the actual album itself, we have to do one thing, and that is to, of course, thank our core level patrons coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier. We have Michael Vader at the $6.99 New Nice Price tier. We have Fielding Fowler at the episode $6.66 tier. Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, and Anton Glaving at the $6.65 Almost Evil tier. Kenny Wymore at the $5.99 Nice Price tier. Robert Smith. Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. And at the $5 moneylender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, Percival Frequency, and Scott Zerns. Thank you so much to you. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I realized there was like a there was like a little fly buzzing around, and I was trying to just like trying to shoo it away and grab it. And I, I was wondering, I was like, I don't know if that came up on the video. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's gonna see me wigging out going like going like this while I'm reading names. <laughs> you know, I was I was talking about that with somebody at work earlier because they were talking about uh floaters. Like, do you see a lot of floaters and floaters? And 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 yeah, you know, floaters, floaties. What's a floaty? Oh well you have glasses, so you probably don't see them a lot, but it is when um, as your eyes get older, you see a lot of kind of like 
dark shapes kind of drifting around in front of your eyes. Oh, like 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 sometimes like you'll see like the little like patterns that a light took or whatever, like when you close your yeah. eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes and I mean, that's a kind of a thing that happens as you get older. And I it has to do with the I don't know, something detaching from your eyes or whatever. But they were talking about like, oh, you see floaties or floaters all the time. I'm like, yeah, I do. Depends on the day, because sometimes when your eyes are tired, you see them more. And sometimes it looks like a little fly buzzing around and sometimes it is. So some, uh, I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. so sometimes I'm going like this and I don't know if I look like I'm insane <laughs> because if there's no fly there, then I'm swatting at nothing. Well, if there's a fly, then I have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes I'll wig out and people will be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I thought I was swatting a fly, but it's just my failing eyesight. <laughs> yeah, and John needs his, new, his itch, itch, itch eye drops to... Or twitchy eye drops, I guess. (laughs) You see the thing? I was looking at the picture today of the guy. He got the glasses up here and he's going. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like. It's just like, make this stop. (sighs) All right. So let's bust out these tracks. Um, Yeah, let's. uh, So this one must start with a uh, with a ballad. The first song is called I'll Rip Your Spine Out. But I would I would say like right off the bat the the drum sound is very weak. Yeah, it sounds very distant. For what is a really cool little drum opening there, it's just not in your face at all. It sounds way in the in the back. Yeah, not a lot of uh, oomph to it. it. Sounds like they they have like the overhead mics, but n- nothing else is close mic'd. Was he referencing your favorite song there? <laughs> no, nope, I didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, nice, nice Gillen scream. Watch, we're going to hear one with like, damn, we should have had that in our last episode. Right. The production, when you hear it overall, even with with the drums and everything, it's got this kind of actually a cool kind of lo-fi sound to it. Yeah. It kind of makes makes it sound like a kind of a early 80s punkish kind of sound. Thought it was a guitar at first, but then started doing the pitch wheel stuff. I forgot to mention this is written by Gillen McCoy and Underwood. 
like a proper organ there. Don't hear a lot of that from Colin. Yeah. It's a really cool verse. Yeah, I like the that that little immigrant song, immigrant song esque rhythm that he's doing on the bass. Which is, you know, why he's not hitting that octave. He's staying on the one note because otherwise it'd be don do 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 Be bad territory there. Even Gillen's voice sounds a little different. It does. It's an interesting sound for him. I don't know if it's the way he's singing or the production or a little bit of both. like those toms sound so when he's hitting the toms it was almost like they just went away <laughs> are you hearing that too because i'm like i'm like now i'm they like am away. i just is are, are my ears just clogged up from my sinuses my maybe are you hearing it okay like the drums like do they do they sound distant to you yeah but i mean production distant not right. like there's a problem with the volume or anything yeah like i hear everything else fine i hear you fine all right, John, what do you think of I'll Rip Out Your Spine? <laughs> it's just a funny uh, title. Very aggressive. Uh, Very aggressive title, yeah. I'll rip you. You mean you, I'll rip your spine out? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll rip your spine I'll out. rip out your spine. That was, that was, I think that was a horror movie. I'll rip, I'll out, rip your out your spine. Three. <laughs> spine Ripper Returns. I can't see that. I haven't seen the first two. Ah, uh, well, spoiler alert. Somebody gets their <laughs> spine ripped out. Or attempts um, to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, I feel like this, I definitely don't think I've heard this one before because it's not ringing any bells. No. Um, I will give it a three. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, there is something endearing about the kind of the low quality uh, production sound. I, I feel at this point it, it would be almost uh, on purpose because there's no way that Gillen would be like, ah, I shit, I don't have enough money to make an album that sounds good. That's being <laughs> you know, done at his studio. I mean, the only thing that's yeah, exactly. different is I think is the producer. I don't think he had worked with that producer before, unless I'm mistaken. Right, right. I mean, it would be nice if the the sound was beefed up a little bit, uh, the the low end, the the rhythm section. But it was a, a really uh, cool song, and there was something different about the like the pitch and the the timbre of Gillen's vocals in this one, which was, um, I mean, around this time it was kind of a couple of years before he went into Sabbath and um, a couple of years after his other stuff. So it, I don't know if there was a weird kind of space that he was in or if he was just trying to do his vocals a little different but either way it was it was cool I, it didn't sound bad at all yeah but middle of the road i think um type of song um yeah i put it a little more middle of the road at a 2.5 dead center middle of the road mm -hmm. um i feel like i mean if you're if you're judging this song on an island, maybe it's just a sequencing thing and it would work better. But to me, it seems a little bit 
weak as an album opener. Like it's not mm. really, it almost sounds like a, a way to close out the side. The The ending of it was just kind of ambling and just didn't seem to go anywhere uh, for the last, like, I don't know, 45 seconds or so. Um, to well, be I a think song. if the, if the, the drums were really, I mean, let's, let's talk about that. If they were really amped up, if they, they were really big drums, if the, like, if the rhythm section was really kicking, then maybe this would have been a good opener. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just can't get over how you could have a, an album open with the, with the, I mean, the last two albums we reviewed on the show were, uh, Diary of a Madman and Mind Transplant. So you had, uh, you know, an opening like over the mountain, which was like in your face. And then you've got a, a jazz fusion drummer. So with this, like, so you had very drum forward albums. And for this one, it just seemed to me like what uh, Underwood's playing was awesome. What he was playing was great. But it, it just was kind of like, I want to hear it. I want it to be up front. I want it to, you know, even if maybe it has to, maybe where it was in the mix worked for the rest of the song, but for the intro, at least, like, just kick mm. it up or or throw some throw some mics on the drums themselves. I mean, usually when you're micing drums, you've got overhead mics at a distance to catch some of that room sound, and then you've got your close-up mics, not necessarily on every drum, but something close up to to catch the stuff. It did. It just didn't even sound like the snare and the toms were mic'd. It sounded like they were just catching them from the distance, uh, the distance mics. And I don't know, it was just mm-hmm. kind of a bummer. Uh, you know, I, I, I could let all that stuff go, but I, the song in particular didn't really do too much for me, especially as an album opener, and especially called I'll Rip Your Spine Out, where you're expecting to get your ass kicked. You know, I'm expecting <laughs> something like, you know, um, yeah. you know, something a little bit harder but anyway mm-hmm. okay next up we have the second track restless i feel like the snare is a little bit poppier on this one Kind of very like garage band rock kind of sound to it. Yeah. Which I could get into. But then immediately it's a Gillen song once he starts singing. Unmistakable. Yep. (laughs) Wow, that was unexpected. Yeah, really. Kind of a poppy free chorus. I like it. But that like second chord that he hits there in that verse is really like kind of dark sounding. It starts, it's like poppy, but it's got this darkness to it. Yeah, really interesting song so far. losing his mind with the vocals it's a really interesting part here
catchy. Yeah, I like the, the little ding, 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 he's doing on the, on the keyboards. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm not sure like that's that level of screaming is necessary on this song. <laughs> I mean, I'm never going to complain about when no, Dylan no. screams, so. really good uh, cool chord changes though I, I really like them yeah d- definitely not something you hear every day and just throws was- me off because it sounds kind of dissonant and then the verses all sounds poppy and happy and then yeah it's the, kind of the, a roller coaster ride yeah then the chorus has this kind of I don't know a different kind of poppy feel to it. It's yeah, kind of. It was a really weird song, in a in a in a good way. That one um, was written Interesting by Gillen and McCoy. So, um, how would you rank that one? I liked it. I'll give it a three. I, I said everything that I thought about it while it was going on. It was really, uh, it was really interesting. But I really liked. Uh, I feel if it went down the predictable road with those uh, with those chord changes in the um, before the verse, it would have. Um, who knows? But I mean, this is this is Gillen, so he's always throwing a curveball somewhere. Yeah, it was. Um, it, yeah, it was kind of like all over the map as far as what it. You know, from from a tone standpoint, I give it. I would give it a three too. Um, I, I did like it, and it was really uh, interesting. It just never goes the direction that you're thinking it's going to go. It's got this really like dee dee dee, this really like kind of happy poppy things, and he's like Jimmy Jimmy, <laughs> he's like losing his mind. <laughs> Which I don't again. Um, far be it from me to ever complain about a Gillen scream, but that one was a little bit like I don't know if this is the song for that. Um, because it didn't it didn't have that I don't know that level of passion you'd really need from. From a, from a Gillen scream, but hey, mm-hmm. um, any Gillen scream is a good scream as far as I'm concerned. Oh, um, yeah. All right. So next track up on side one of this album is called Men of War. Ooh, bring it down a little bit here. This one's for all the ladies out there. Particularly the two standing out in front of the <laughs> brothel that They're I'm still looking out. at with the patch on my ass. <laughs> we didn't let them in the studio. They're still out there. Wow. I like that. This is another Gillen McCoy number. What? <laughs> what? Since the, the fires are going to stoke, and they're like, 
so far, I mean, I think this this album has like a very it's a different feel to it. Yeah, it's a it's lot like, different than the other Gillen albums that we've heard so far. It's totally different. It almost feels like it's like a dare I say like new wavy almost. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe that's what he was going for. And I don't mean new wave of Brit- British heavy metal, which is what you'd expect. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't follow Future Shock, what, what I would expect at all. It's up, but it sounds very of its time. Like, this sounds like 81. I wonder if maybe the uh, this is the first the first album with Yannick, right? Yeah. Maybe it's the addition of that new guitar player. Maybe that had something. To, I mean, it definitely had something to do with the the sound because you're not hearing a Bernie Torme sound in here. Obviously, that's distinctive, very distinct. I mean, obviously the keyboards. <laughs> you, you can't get away from that. I mean, this sounds like typical Gillen band keyboards. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, the songs, the production, the directions they go in, it's very, uh, very different direction. It's uh, its actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's something that really stands on its own. And I can imagine... And we'll get into reviews later, but I can imagine this is probably not what people were looking for from Gillen. Which tends to be the albums I enjoy the most. doing those like really deep throaty screams too almost as low as he can go and still scream well this is kind of where he was when he was doing born again with his vocals yeah and some so of the tracks, maybe yeah. he was maybe this was the beginning of that was for that, him was kind that, of exploring that territory what track did you bring from born again last week hotline um uh digital bitch digital bitch i'm sorry And I'm kind of feeling confident in saying now three songs in that I don't know if I've heard any of this before. Same. Yeah, the same. And which is like, weird uh, because that's not the case with and this this sometimes comes down to just being in the U.S. Some stuff just didn't make it over here as readily as as other stuff did. Um, but like everything else from Gillen, there's been a few albums where I'm like, uh, this this track sounds a little bit unfamiliar. Oh yeah, I've heard this one a million times from some. Mm-hmm. Co- you can't even remember where you heard it from. But with this one so far, it's all kind of um, sounding new to me. Yeah, I mean, usually we've at least heard something that was on a the U.S. or the Japanese version or whatever on a different album, or the, if something was on a compilation. I mean, if I'll be surprised if we get through the whole thing, and I've Honestly, haven't heard anything. Yeah, and, and maybe I have, but if I have, it's been once or twice years ago mm-hmm. and completely forgot about it. 
nothing that's resonating with me. But um, all right, what do you think of Men of War? Um, another another three. Um, I I think it's another really uh, interesting song. I really like the um, the that melody that runs throughout it. Um, the yep. yeah, and of course, um, I I love the way that Gillen is exploring those vocals. Um, just uh, I just love around this era where he's being so over the top with yeah. his his screaming, um, and not. I mean, there's something to be said for being sparing with it, but it's also great when he just uses it so much. Uh, because it's it's not one of those things where sometimes if you have um, kind of a shtick like that, it's like, all right, use it sparingly. Otherwise, it's like, all right, it's too much. But I don't know. When it's Gillen, he can do yeah. it through the whole album and you don't get sick of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, he's got a weird uh, special... Uh, uh, he's got carte blanche when it comes to that. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Hmm. Um Honestly, I almost toyed with the idea of giving it a four because I can tell it's one of those songs that if I listen to this album on repeat, like if I listen to it two, three, four, five, by the fourth, fifth time, this is the one that's going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, I really like that song. But I didn't mm-hmm. want to give it a four, uh, you know, predicting that in the future I'd want to give it a four. <laughs> so I'm giving it an honest rating for what I think right now, but I, I really like it. And I think what I... You know, while maybe our scores aren't the highest so far, and it's not it, so far, it's not looking like it's gonna rank super high. But um, what I do really like about this album is that it's they're trying something new, and I would always prefer a band doing that to you know just trying to rehash their old stuff or trying to you know like again with Deep Purple, just trying to make Machine Head again twenty times for the over the past fifty years. Like I, you know, they've had their ups, they've had their downs, but at least they've always been trying different things. Maybe there's some formulas they throw in there, but they're not just trying to rehash and cash in on, on, on what worked before they're trying different stuff. And that's what I like about it. Right. I mean, how, uh, how interesting would it be if they were just like, okay, here's son of future shock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something like that. And that's certainly, this certainly is not that. So, okay. <clears throat> Next track up is called sunbeam. The ride symbol sounds great. The rest of this kit sounds so far away. I'm going to listen to this when I'm over this virus. I'm going to be like, (laughs) now I hear it. (laughs) I'm going to have to go (laughs) re-rank everything. Really interesting guitar lines. Yeah. I feel like there's an interesting guitar lines at the beginning of the song, and then it goes into this really kind of slick verse. So this is very like a very simple but catchy kind of guitar line here. It almost sounds like 
Day Tripper, like reworked, <laughs> like kind of hits the same beats. Always comes back to the Beatles with you, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I'm just what? Kidding. I thought that was a White Snake song. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. How <clears throat> his vocals kind of faded off into the distance. It's kind of interesting, guys, those like three vocals come in one after another. Mm, yeah. Or maybe it's just two. I think these are, so far, these are great songs, and he sounds really good. Oh, yeah. flourishes there in the right channel. still going with that riff in the background. You know, the the guitar solo really was reminding me of something, and I'm like, what? Yeah, I was, what think, is that? I was thinking the same thing. But now that I hear the outro solo, it just, it, it kind of sounds almost like he's mimicking Richie. Yeah, I could, I could I could see that. Like little little hints of it. Not like a not like a ripoff or copying just, him or anything like that, but very reminiscent of those little like falling down the stairs things like we talked about before, you know. <laughs> I love it when you do I don't know how you do that so effortlessly. You're just being able to <laughs> like I can't do it. It just sounds like I have a, like rocks falling out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's um but yeah, it's very um and I don't know if that was uh, on purpose or not, but uh, it, it definitely fit in with the with the song. Yeah, it's that it's that kind of like pentatonic, but throwing throwing it into the throwing in some minor notes here and there to kind of yeah make it a little more mysterious, a little more sneaky. That I think he's that he's doing. That's that's kind of reminiscent in the way he's doing his little hammer-ons and pull-offs and stuff. It, yeah, I could I could see the Richie comparison for sure. Um, that one was written by Gillen, Gears, McCoy, and Underwood. Sunbeam. What do you think of what do you think mm. of that one? 
Um, I really, I really liked it. Um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I would definitely, I'm giving it that extra half because I, I would listen to it again. Yeah. I think like each, each song is like delivering something new. Like I, I'm thinking like, okay, and watch probably the next song will be, uh, watch this next song will be a, uh, a filler track. So I'm, I'm expecting, all right, where's the filler track or the one that's going to be like, Meh. but so far there, everything that's coming up is just offering something so far. That's very interesting and catchy. Yeah. I'll, I will see your 3.5 on this one. It was again, non-traditional, interesting outside the box songwriting. Um, Production's really the only thing I have a major issue with so far. It just and it, and it's like everything sounds good. It just doesn't sound like it's upfront enough. Well, see it, and I know we're only a few songs in, but um, for maybe half of that first song, I had a problem with it. But now I I just think that given the given the era, yeah, and the number of albums that he had, I'm starting to think that um, sometimes bands will purposely have a, uh, have an album sound um, lo-fi. Um, and I mean, it could be a, a a case of just like born again is like, Oh, we didn't mean for it to turn out like this, but yeah, whether it was on purpose or not. Um, I, I, I think that there's something that just kind of adds to that appeal of it, uh, that kind of early eighties, um, uh, almost garage band sounding, uh, rock with, uh, with, uh, Gillen's kind of smooth, uh, choruses and vocals and everything kind of coming in and elevating it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's all fair, but, um, all right. Well, this next song off of the album was a single release, so this one is called Nightmare, first song on the second side. I'm pretty sure I've heard this one before. Great bass tone. This sounds <laughs> sounds like JLT could have written it. <laughs> Except it would have been called like Dream Street instead of instead of a Dream Street. It's a Dream Street. Or like it's a nightmare, that is little full nightmare, of little sister. <laughs> nightmare, little. <laughs> Sweet sister, nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> miss, miss, nightmare. <laughs> it's got a real pop flavor to it. Yeah, it, it sounds like. Rainbow. You said it was a single? Yep. Yeah, I could see that. It sounds very early 80s radio pop. It's very like... Ugh, I'm trying to think of the song. 
I like that the really low piano notes in there. Yep. Great little guitar line in there too. Yeah, it's great. It sounds like almost like it could be off of uh, like one of his extra tracks on Sheer Kazoo too. See those really low piano notes yep. are what distinguishes it from my from a different from like any other song. Oh, totally, yeah. good I like that though a really poppy sounding uh, keyboard uh, keyboards in there nothing groundbreaking but really uh, really cool sounding stuff yeah all right so what are you gonna uh rank this one I I had fun listening to that one. That's that's getting a four. All that's right. uh yeah that was that was really good. The more that I th- the more that I think about it, I feel like it's uh like a like a song like kind of a a song of the time that you would hear in a uh, in a horror movie. Um like that the kids are listening to when they're on the way to their impending doom. Like they're, they're in the, taking the, the party car ride. And that's kind of the, the sequence where they're having a good time and they don't realize that they're going to meet their untimely demise. Yeah. It, it kind yeah. of makes me think of, um, I, I think that, um, and, uh, specifically the nightmare on Elm uh, nightmare on Elm street, the, um, the other ones, a Friday, the 13th movies, um, Alice Cooper had done, uh, when he was in his kind of poppier phase in the eighties had done, I think two different songs for two different movies. There was, um, yeah, there was, it was feed my Frankenstein and man behind the mask. And I think man behind the mask was more like, this didn't sound like it, but it's on the same kind of principle as, is you have kind of a classic rock guy doing something that's more eighties synth poppy. And um, it fits in with the, kind of soundtrack of the lower budget horror movies of that era. I could picture this being in like a Friday the 13th part, whatever. You know, this reminds me of another, of another movie um, Mm -hmm. that takes place at a summer camp, which is wet, hot American summer. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. A long time ago. It's great. But there's a training sequence in it where like, you know, it's like a, it's a comedy, but it's like a mm-hmm. training sequence where like the crazy guy that works at the <laughs> the cafeteria, like trains the guy, you know, how to, how to 
be a fighter or whatever. Um, and they 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 have like a made up song that's made to kind of sound like this. <laughs> that's what this yeah. is reminding me of. Is reminding hmm. me of that song. Like, but it's it's got that 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 kind of feeling to it. But I will also give this one a four. I really like it. I think it captures a really great feeling. Um, yeah. So there you go. That one was. Uh, that one was written by um, just towns alone. Hmm. A night on the nightmare on the towns. Um, <laughs> uh, the next track was not written by towns alone. This one was written by uh, Gillen and McCoy. And this one is called Hadley Bop Bop. Sounds very deep purple. Except for the woo, the, the pitch wheel. <laughs> Maybe it's Hadley Bop Bop? Yeah, Hadley Bop Bop. He references the farmer's... He says, you laid the farmer's daughter and she never died of laughter. (laughs) This definitely has more of a classic Gillen band sound to it. Very unsettling that... The little chromatic thing he's doing here. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Band stand. Band stand. <laughs> You're the king of all the kings and the lord of all them rings. You lead, reading a little Tolkien at this time? Great. Not even not even three minutes. In and out. Hadley bop bop. Not Hadley bop bop. <laughs> you can tell that I didn't hear that song before because I would have pronounced it correctly. All right. Hadley mm-hmm. bop bop. What do you think? 
I enjoyed it. Another four. Another four. All right. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think, I, I think it was the, um, um, the, not the, not the verse with the, with the, with the keyboard in the background sounded very like, very like uh Gellin yeah. band. Uh, but it was, I, it was just really, it was really catchy and it was driving and, uh, I mean, I, I like Gillen's kind of like nonsense, uh, chorus lyrics, a hatily Bob, Bob, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> nice. That's very good. I mean, not, I mean, I'm looking at the lyrics. I mean, it doesn't, nothing makes any sense to me. It worked though. It worked. Yeah. I mean, um, it doesn't have to make, we've heard plenty of rap bat blue doesn't make any sense, but it's a great song. hmm. I don't know what Hadley is or Hadley. You know, Hadley, Massachusetts. That's Hadley. Exactly. There's a Hadley. Hadley. There's a Hadley that's north of Chicago too. Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? All right. A four. Wow. Um, I think I'll give it a 3.5. Mm-hmm. I liked it quite a bit. It was a nice up tempo, fun, super short, um, nonsense lyrics. Just, just a fun time. A lot of energy in it. Um, but I, I did find that do, 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 I found that a little unsettling for some reason. <laughs> like I kind of, I kind of kept, I, win- I kept wishing he was playing some, they were playing something else behind that because it was just a little, but yeah, a minor gripe. Um, and you know what? I can get over it. Life goes on. Much like our next track, which is called Life Goes On. This one is written by Gillen and Towns. Mm-hmm. That took a turn. Ian Gillen band sort of turn almost.
We're almost to the end of the lyrics here, so it makes me think that we're in for a big instrumental closing. Hmm, yeah. That'd be cool. The lyrics are kind of nonsense anyway. I like that repeating part they've had so far where they bring it down to this different part. See that, yeah, the, those Richieisms are coming through again. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, because I would say that you got none of that from Torme at all. Yeah. Which I think that um, he might have been a little too much for this album, his Tor- style. Torme? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is a good fit. This is not Bernie Torme. Well, I, I, I feel like Yannick's style is more, uh, a li- uh, not more anything, a little less flashy. Yeah, it's more Which I think works better for this album because this album is not really flashy. Right. Like, uh, like a Mr. Universe solo wouldn't work on this. No. I think reading those interviews with Bernie Torme, he was saying a lot how people were, you know, even even though he wasn't, this wasn't Deep Purple, people were kind of yelling at him about not sounding more like Richie, maybe because they did cover songs live or whatever, but. That was a, a weird song. Yeah. <laughs> a very strange Gillen song. Uh, what do you think of that one? Life goes on. <laughs> Is it that bad? It does. I'll give it um I'll give it a three. I think another uh, another solid song in in parts. Um, I think this might be because it's a little longer too. Maybe one of the first songs that um, I think was good, but there were parts of it where I'm like, it's going on a little too long. Yeah. Um, but overall, I like all the different elements, the performances. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was pretty solid. I enjoyed. Yeah, and I, I don't know the lyric. I don't. We don't often get into lyrics at all, but the lyrics to it are just really kind of 
generic and don't make any sense like reading through them it's just a lot of unreferenced pronouns like it's causing me pain i can't go through it again like 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 what are you talking about um in hand so soft you know you're part of someone else's plan i mean you know maybe makes some sense to somebody but um it just seems like a lot of kind of vague sort of stuff and you know maybe it's got some deep meaning that i'm too stupid to understand but um you know, it could be like, oh, that was about the, you know, loss of some loved relative or something that I can feel like a jerk. But um, <laughs> yeah, it just I, I'll give it a three as well, because, uh, I you know, I I enjoy weird Gillen and Ian Gillen stuff in particular. Um, so I guess. no, but I mean, this this hooked me in. This had my attention. There were a lot of good parts to it. Yeah. And um when you're talking about the the lyrics, uh, I mean, it takes a really unusual lyrics for me to kind of take notice and be like, okay, that ruins everything for me. Um, but I think it was a, uh, I was recently talking to Scott and um, it made me think of something that he said um, where um, he sees the, and I feel the same way too, because he kind of, put it in these terms and I'm like, yeah, this is how I always felt was, uh, we're, I'm not really a, he's not really a lyrics guy, neither am I. And, um, he said, I see the vocals as more of a, as, as an instrument. So it doesn't really yep. matter what is being sung. If it sounds good, then I'm into it. And that's kind of how I've always been as the words have never really been a primary importance to me. It would just be like, if the guitar was actually saying something, I really don't care as long as it moves me as it sounds good so that's like i mean gillen could be going like Wah! you know it could be that could be like him singing a word like you were saying on the gillen screams episode that he was singing words or yeah. he was screaming words as opposed to just letting out a scream to me it didn't make a difference either way although i thought it was a interesting point but i i think that's how i've always viewed vocals because i've had some songs that have been favorites of mine for years couldn't sing all the lyrics to you <laughs> if I tried. Yeah, I'm, I'm this, and I'm the same way. We've talked about it a bunch on the show, and it's like the 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 words don't have like if the music moves you, then the words will too, no matter how silly they are. You know, I've had uh, you know there's right. some bands I listen to that you know they'll write nonsense lyrics on purpose, but if they've got like a really great melody or make this really great song, you you can find yourself like and even some of the stuff by like Tenacious D, you know, like they 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 write these like um really interesting great melodies and stuff and you can like you find yourself singing along to these with these either vulgar or nonsense lyrics and being like oh it's beautiful <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, it it gives this weight to the to the lyrics that it wouldn't have otherwise because of mm -hmm. the performance and the writing um but anyway um we know that um Ian Gillen was born again but did you know that he was also born to kill <laughs> no. About to find out. No when Gillen he kills, tells. will he rip your spine out? <laughs> it goes full circle. Oh, Jesus. This is like almost 10 minutes. An epic here. It's funny. I just, I just watched the original Blade Runner movie the other day. This is giving me shades of that soundtrack. Evangelist.
That sounds like a typical, like, Collins instrumental performance that usually they just kind of make these be their own track, but maybe they lumped it together with the song total. Nice. I love the juxtaposition of the of the synths with the acoustic instruments always always interesting to me. It's no surprise that Colin Towns would go into film and TV scoring shortly after this. Yeah, I was going to say, it does sound like a score, part of a score. Now this is making up for the, all the unreferenced pronouns in the last song. Sounds <laughs> like the beginning to like a like a crazy epic musical or something. setting us up for something epic coming our way. This one's working for me. A little much. Very theatrical. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, it's got a nice groove to it.
That was kind of uh, anthemic sounding. Throwing in a little future shock uh, theory here. <laughs> like he had some leftover lyrics from the last album. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like quasi music theater sort of thing. <laughs> this is really weird. This is they're getting out there. to follow along in this lyric sheet. It's a wild ride. It's separated into parts. That was part two, and now we're going into part three. Almost sounds like a dream theater, like early dream theater song. <laughs> uh. The um, time changes were not as crazy, though. You've got all those people shouting the lyrics in the background, but I don't think it works. Nah. Kind of surprised because everything else on this album was so good, and this kind of stinks. <laughs> Really, I'm not into it. I mean, it's I just, can. It's just too much. I can appreciate what they're going for, but it's it's weird to bring in this weird conceptual like theatrical number at the very at the as the very last song of the album when the rest of the album mm -hmm. doesn't seem to have any theme to it. I feel like the first part had like some really intent with the lyrics and this last part just seems a little repetitive and 
it's taking so long to deliver the word like words like one one word at a time and it's to kill reverberates on off into the distance after nine and a half minutes testing John's patience (laughs) (laughs) true what do you what do you think about this one um I'm gonna give it a two yeah Uh, um there were there were a lot of um maybe not a lot there were some good ideas or some good parts in there but overall um swing and a miss I, um, yeah, I really, I I didn't like it after kind of the, the shorter kind of to the point, but, uh, very catchy songs that he had in there. There was like this kind of musical epic that was all over the place and, uh, just kind of missed the mark. I think, um, it didn't really, unfortunately it was, a I, well, very unfortunate way to end the album. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a two as well. Like to me, this album kind of opens week and ends week, um, and just kind of like the. I again, I I I think I get what they were going for for with this song, but man, it just it didn't seem to get there. Like just kind of like the whole like to the hills to test their skills to become stronger, live much <laughs> like that part. I was like, Oh my God, is this ever, if I didn't have the lyric sheet in front of me, I would have been like, when is this going to end? Cause it was, you know, that whole, like that's what one of Gillen's, I think only weaknesses is tending to do that thing where he like goes right on the beat with his words or, or matches the riff yeah. exactly. And for, yeah. for this song, you know, there, there were a few flashes. The music was, Honestly, the music and everything was well done, but I just don't feel like the 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 words or the or the melody or anything fit into it properly. And, you know, and it was I didn't have the lyric sheet in front of me, so imagine how I felt. <laughs> yeah, you had no <laughs> no end in sight. Um, but yeah, I feel like lyrically it started kind of strong and then just really fizzled out, and it was just like you know. You know, life brings confusion, conscience, conscious, mankind, the futurists, the forward paths, locked in our past. You know, it's like it just it just was like very stream of consciousness in a way that didn't necessarily work for me. Um so yeah, that would be my that would be my story for this one. Just it kind of fell a little bit short for me anyway. Right. Yeah, like bro, calm down. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what that means, folks. While John fumbles with the spreadsheet or busts out the spreadsheet, I should say, um, we're going to do something that is, of course, equally as important, which is to thank our foundation level patrons. And I pull them up here. Coming in at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Raf Calf, Spike the Rock Cat, and Spike's mom. 
At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rap Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fjeldboo. And Runar Siemensen. Also rounding out the $3 tier, we have J.J. Stenard and Ruinous Inadequacies. Coming in at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the Screams of Uncalked Seams. Leaky Mausoleum. Did we do that one already? Probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> we did that last time. <laughs> we'll have to do a, uh, the, the Born to... Uh, the born to born to spill. There we go. Leaky mausoleum <laughs> off the top. Um, Stephen Somerville, the concerto, nineteen ninety nine fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Blackmore Tights, and John Maselli. Forget the pets. Are you gonna match? <laughs> all right. Thank you so much to all of our. Fabulous patrons, we really appreciate it. All right, John, what do you got for where this stacks up in the old ratings? Where's my theme music? Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how to do the show. All right, John, it is that time. All right, John, where does Double Trouble fall in the gigantic spreadsheet of ratings here we have here, which you can have access to as a patron of the show? Yes, yes, you can. And you can do the uh, John Matola virtual experience by (laughs) holding your phone and just not knowing what you're doing. Oh, I can't sort it. Oh, yeah, you can just fumble around with it, sort things improperly. Jeez. You, I think you too um, can you get you too can be like a co-host of the Deep Purple podcast. You too can be confused and not know what's going on. Yeah. Or can, like um like either one of us, like you forgot my theme music. Yeah, I, know, I think right? that sickness is getting to you. I know, it's really it's blocking my I'm telling you, I've been really foggy. Hmm. So um as as predicted, Double Trouble is kind of toward the bottom of the ratings spreadsheet with a uh, six point three one. Um, very uh, very small variance. Um, be uh, between us, betwixt us, between and betwixt. Yes, and um, it's between um, Ashton and Lord's first of the big bands and various remachined a tribute to deep purple's machine head which... but only only because of the <laughs> the one song <laughs> if it wasn't yeah. for that one song was it the butthole surfers <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember somebody like that um I, you know what i don't want to remember um <laughs> that version of smoke on the water almost did you in yeah, that's we we don't talk about that. I mean, that thing would have jumped um, up probably like thirty sp- slots on the sheet if it wasn't for that one track. But um, but yeah, it's down there with uh, some uh, some stuff, and then a bunch of Nick Simber dreck. Um, 
every time there's a, a something down on the spreadsheet that's far down there, I'm going to come up with a come up with a new word to describe how much disdain I have for Nick Simpra's solo work. <laughs> that's where all the uh, fandangos and Nick Simpra's fandangos are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think last time I said it was garbage. This time it's Drek. Fandangos of many colors hang out at the bottom of the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I'm just, <laughs> just slumming it, slumming it down there. But I would say that um, this is one of those those albums that I think is a victim of a victim of circumstance here. Like I would yeah, actually I'm a victim of circumstance. You know, I would actually listen to this um, again. I was like yeah. thinking, hey, I, I like maybe tomorrow when I'm in the car or something, I would put it on again because there is some good stuff here. And and I think that the, the, the kind of, um, the, um, more stripped down, I guess you could say, um, early eighties sound, um, new wave slash new wave of British heavy metal, whatever you want to like kind of combination of styles there, having a new guitar player, um, a lot of like hooky stuff in there. Uh, for most of the album, I, I think it was good, um, which proves that all things that are lower on the spreadsheet are not created equal. No, and, and the, the 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 further down the spreadsheet you go, the jumps between the rankings are much more uh, substantial. You know, the if you go ten slots up, you're, you're you go from here, you go from three point one nine to three point three five. But if you go ten slots down, you're at three point one nine to three point six four. You know, so you go if you go up, you go fifteen points, and you go down, you go like fifty or seventy points or whatever that is. What is that? 60, 60, 70 points. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's a big it's a big swing as you get towards the bottom here. It's like time expands out and uh time 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 uh, wibbly wobbly time stuff kind of changes and and uh <laughs> becomes something different right. you know whereas you get to the top of the spreadsheet and things are you know things are pretty packed in a little tighter as well but uh yeah anyway it was, yeah it was a fun listen uh um i would also definitely like to give it a, you know I, I like i said i think the, the the first song wasn't the greatest. The last song wasn't the greatest. But in between, I think there was some interesting stuff to listen to. I I mm-hmm. it wouldn't be my go to Gillen album, but um, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. And I'm yeah, pretty- I'd say it's a um, it's a it's a dark horse album. If you're like, yeah, I don't want to really listen to Mister Universe or whatever today, and you want to put on something a little different in the uh, Gillen catalog, this would be right now the album uh in my opinion yeah i um i think uh yeah i i would love to i'm sure there's somebody out there who's like hey this is my favorite gillen album and i salute that person because you know it's i could see how it you know it's got something different in it and it's a different different feel so that works really well um jeff bryce sent over a bunch of really great stuff. Um, he sent over the tour program, which is just as weird as the album. So this album comes <laughs> out. Uh, it comes out. It enters the charts in November of 1981. Highest position is number 12 in the UK charts. It was in the charts for about 15 weeks. Um, here's some stuff that uh, Jeff Bryce sent over. Um, if I can find it on here. Never find stuff. Here we go. So here's the uh, the tour program. It's got this, uh, you know, just obviously 
special thanks to sort of stuff. And then it's got um, each band member kind of wrote their own thing. And Gillen writes this completely bananas off the wall thing. Like this kind of like starts off with this like sexy sort of story. She moistened her lips lasciviously when I suggested she wash her face properly and undid her jacket and bubble and released her aggressive prisoners. Classic Gillen. So he goes on and on about this. Um, just, to, just classic Gillen in uh, weirdo stand sort of stuff. Mm. Um, then Colin Towns writes his own little kind of weird thing. Um, uh, then you've got some cool pictures here. Um, John McCoy wrote, wrote, <laughs> wrote something a little. Um, he says, "Hello, you wonderful people. I'm so glad you could come. Those of you that entered my competition last time will be pleased to know that my dog Sydney ate most of the photographs. Uh, so he's posted some pictures of stuff. <laughs> so just them being weirdos. Probably like management was like, "Hey guys, you should do this," and they just didn't take it seriously, which is um, kind of what you'd expect. But it's pretty, uh, pretty funny stuff. Picture of like Ian Gillen playing cricket, which is interesting. Um, and some cool live shots. It's all smoke mm. going off, and McCoy and uh, Garris there." This photo I've seen before of Gillen with the bandana right at, the, at the foot of the lake there or pond or whatever it is. Uh, it's such a great look for him. I love I love pictures of him in the bandana. Oh, yeah. Like so the, he looks so badass. I was going to say like a sleeveless shirt, but I don't think he's wearing a shirt at all. But yeah, the no. bandana look. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Then Colin Towns and um, uh, and Mick Underwood holding a candle that's attached to a skull. And then there's like a glass with like a silly straw and Colin... Towns is holding an apple. Just very weird shots. Great stuff, though. Uh, really cool. Uh, uh, really cool little. Uh, uh, cool little uh, tour program. Really appreciate that. I uh, sent some other stuff. The uh, the um, he sent the um, the single for Nightmare, which is <laughs> the cover for this is an actual nightmare that I will have tonight. I'll show it to you so you can have it. You can we can share nightmares so there's the uh, oh geez i don't even know i i can't tell if it's who it is or what it is but it's like a photograph in kind of negative and the but but some of the stuff's colored in like so the mouth is colored in red with these like floating black teeth and these crazy eyes it's absolutely bananas um yeah that's um yeah there's um that's like up there with mr bill <laughs> yes I, I think wh- whoever did the album art for this uh, understood the assignment. They're like, "Hey, we got a song called Nightmare. Make an album. Make some art for it. Got it. <laughs> you will have nightmares for the rest of your life based on this. That's that to me is scarier than any like the spooky movie or whatever." Mm. Um, and what else we got here? Just some other some other um, stuff. Some CD releases. Um, you got some stuff from Kerrang in here. Um, there's a, a nice article, uh, in Kerrang, but then what I wanted to get into was this, uh, which is the, um, review Simon Robinson wrote in darker than blue issue number 25, July, 1982. He says, I've had plenty of time in which to listen to Ian's latest as a result, which some of it has grown on me and what seemed initially like a non-starter of an album bar one track now rates somewhat higher. The realization of this came when I found myself humming a Gillen track without being able to recall which it was. It turned out to be Rip Your Spine. Uh, Now one of my favorites let down only by the rather predictable synth tone in the solo. Restless we all uh, restless were all well 
Restless, we were all... Sorry, it's hard to read across this. I'm going to move it to this monitor to make it a little easier. <laughs> uh, maybe this will make it a little easier. Nate's um, having problems, folks. Yeah, well, every, yeah, I'm like trying I'm trying to read over over my shoulder at that other monitor. Maybe this will make it easier. Maybe not. Maybe I just can't read. Um, he says, I find the vocals during the verses attractive, but the Jimmy Jimmy bit turns me off. It's the next cut, Men of War, which really slays me and has done from the first play. The vocals soaring in and out, growling and screaming, magnificent. Wish they'd been a little more mixed up, maybe on a 12-inch single. The guitar works well, but again, I find the keyboard somewhat ordinary. Sunbeam, the closer, doesn't do anything for me at all. Strange track. Might have worked if they'd done it as a real quiet thing. Side 2 takes off with the original single Nightmare, which sounded good on the radio, but seems a little out of place on the LP. Maybe a different mix or something. Uh, Hadley Bop Bop deserves a mention just for that title, whatever it means. It's short but punchy and fun, perhaps made with a 45 with a, uh, a little work. Uh, we even see the return of the farmer's daughter on it. The album ends with only two Gillentown's... Uh, compositions of which i think i prefer life goes on a marked change in style instrumentally and some good vocals marred only in a couple of places where he sounds really rough pity they didn't return and redo those little bits as it's the only place on the lp which sounds like that we even get some of the mary longs sneaking in near the end with a nice dramatic closer which is more than you can say for born to kill it fizzles out after such a good build-up throughout all the different tempos, etc. Certainly good stuff. Colin playing well, and I feel I'd go for it more if they had not done uh, if they had not done it so well live. So apparently they do it live. Um, mm. At times I do find myself missing the Gillen thrash of yore, and the mix isn't anything to shout about. But the album certainly has more going for it than the last uh, than the last poor effort. Uh, Gears slots in well. Only two. Blackmore-esque solos throughout. Mm. I know, uh, let's see. I know Torme has his fans, but to me, his work graded on the airs a lot of the time. Gillen is still the only purple member who is making stuff I genuinely like in its own right, and I find I'm playing his best tracks quite a lot of late. Be real fun doing a best of. That could be a killer album. As for the rest of the package, the bonus live LP is a real duffer. To think that Ian still worries about his performances on Made in Japan. Poor recordings, too, and mad aside. <coughs> Sorry, I'm reaching the end of my uh, speaking voice here. Um, the sleeve, too, is a hack job. Crummy artwork. What's Phil Oakey doing on the front anyway? <laughs> and the only good photo, that of Ian with his congas. Enough of that. What about the singles? So, there you go. What do you think of his takes on that? It's always interesting to hear a lot of those um, uh, observations that we make, that we blindly make, and then we read an old article and it basically says the same thing. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Like the, like the Blackmore-esque solos, like who, who else would have picked that out? Yep. I mean, it's, uh, it makes you think, okay, it's got to be true. I mean, somebody else just said it. I mean, I never read that before. Um, and uh, he said something about the mix, which we commented about. Yeah. Um, there were some things I didn't agree with saying the, the prior albums, the prior album wasn't any good um, or something to that effect or that uh, Torme like kind of saying that his guitar playing wasn't that great. Yeah. Some bullshit. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I would say it's, it's mostly 
mostly opinion. I feel like I like the the album a little bit more than this dude, but um, but yeah, I always think uh, I always think that that's interesting when those different points of view across many different years um, kind of line up. Yeah, well, I think for you know Simon Robinson's always got like some you know, things to say, but obviously he loves, he loves this stuff and he loves all stuff related to deep purple. So, um, he, you know, even when he's being really hard on something or it sounds like he's being really hard on something, he's probably, um, probably likes it more than you do. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. but, um, then there's like an interview with, uh, uh, in Kerrang magazine with Ian Gillen, just to close it out where he, um, he talks about, um, it, it op- the article opens with in a field somewhere between London and Reading lies a tape of Double Trouble, a two record set containing both live and studio material. It surpassed all previous Gillen albums in terms of overall sales. Yet a pre-release earful of the studio half during a fifth gear burn up on the M4 proved more than enough for Gillen himself. The songs he liked, the mix handled by U.S. producer Steve Smith, he didn't. And then it's a quote from Ian. He says, I wound down the window, ripped the tape out of the cassette player, and threw it away. It was crap. So all across England and everywhere, there's just tapes and cassettes and everything thrown out the window by Gillen and Blackmore over the years. I'd love to know that person that was just like walking by and was like, oh, what's this? Oh, Deep Purple Stormbringer on cassette. (laughs) Little did they know it was tossed out of a window by Richie Blackmore. Born Again album covers. uh yeah, throwing out windows of cars or buildings, just stuff. <laughs> Very temperamental dude. I mean, yeah, you wonder how much of it is literal and how much of of it wasn't. But I could I could see them just being like the you know this stinks and throwing them out. But I mean, I would agree with them on the mix. It's it it or if it's the master. No, it's got to be the mix. It it just doesn't. I don't even think it's the mix so much as that. Like if you record something far away, that like game over. You can't mix it so that mm-hmm. sounds close up it's um you can do things to compensate for it but you you really you know you got to kind of do it right from the beginning so that that might be part of it but um uh he talks about this in child of time he says he he ditched the he says he ditched it out the car window he says a few weeks later i listened to it again and i realized i had completely missed it how stupid i had been because it was a fine piece of progressive rock and i don't think i'd ever felt that way since the early purple days songs like restless i'll rip your spine out and hatily bop bop no easy way and the single nightmare all jumped out at me uh, who said you couldn't make a good album while on the road um Gill- Gillen at this point we're g- consistently playing 200 shows a year so that's a lot of touring um it almost makes you wonder was like was his publicist like hey man you you, you trashed your own album in the magazine you gotta dial it back we you know it's 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 gonna hurt album sales when the artist is saying it's crap but of course this was years later in his book so there, I, I think the uh initial album sales would have been long gone by then but anyway that's it that is double trouble. I'm not going to get to the maybe one day we'll do the live part of it, but um, it's not it's, now. It's live <laughs> stuff from years earlier. Yeah, definitely not now. <laughs> not today. Yeah, if you, you Nate's you, tired. Yeah, exactly. Unless you you know if you really want a you know three plus hour show, then some people would be happy about that. Uh, some people not so much. But yeah, one day in the future maybe we'll do it. But it's it's not even to me. It's it's like live recordings that. It's not even this lineup, you know, so it's kind of a weird thing. But anyway, well, with that, my friend, I will bid you adieu. I will. I'm hoping that by the next episode, I will. uh, I will. My foot will not be sore from stomping on the cough switch. 
I will not have to signal you to talk so I can drink water or, something, or hack my brains out, and that will be somewhat more back to normal. But we'll see what happens next week. Hope so. But either way, we will always be on this show, Double Trouble. That's right. That's the real Double Trouble. Oh, which one of us is going to be wearing the uh, the mini skirt? Which one of us is wearing the the dress? Oh boy! Well, let's let's fight that one out after the uh, right, yeah. after we sign we, off. We can have a forty five minute meeting after the show to talk about that. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it offline. All right. <laughs> all right, my friend. I will talk to you later. Okay. Good night. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Is it pecan or pecan? I think I say pecan. I say pecan. Anybody that says pecan is an arrogant prick. (laughs) I'm glad you waited until after I answered that question. (laughs) You like you say pecan or pecan? Pecan. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Oh.